Praise God. I want to go to the book of Matthew today. And I want to read out of the sixth chapter. And I'm sure to a lot of people that's been around the church, these are scriptures that you are acquainted with. But I want to pull out a message I feel like God's been dealing with me for some time ever since Brother Reaver asked me to preach several weeks ago. And I've been praying and meditating, fasting, and God has laid this on my heart today. So I want to begin reading out of the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in, in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Everybody say that. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to take from those scriptures that 11th verse, give us this day our daily bread. One other scripture in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. And I want to talk to you today on this thought. Pass the bread, please. Pass the bread, please. Hallelujah. Jesus was the most unique man that ever lived because he was not only man, he was God and man. 1 Timothy 3 and 16 says, Without controversy, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. There's someone, the author is unknown, that wrote a poem about Jesus. It's called One Solitary Life, and it goes like this. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. 
He never had a family nor owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to the cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the kings that ever reigned, put them all together. None of them have affected the life of man on earth as much as that one solitary life. He reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. Jesus said, Moses wrote about me. The scriptures declared that he is the son of David. We find the paradoxes are blended together in him. The highest becomes the lowest and still remains the highest. The creator became the creature and still is the creator. The bread of life becomes the fountain of water and remains the bread of life. The strongest becomes the weakest, and the weakest is still the strongest. And I like this part. Mary's God became Mary's baby and still remain Mary's God. Hallelujah. The high priest became the Lamb of God, but ceased not to be the high priest. He came, and he already was here. Hallelujah. He left and he didn't go away. He's coming back and he never left. Hallelujah. I don't need three gods. I've got one God. Hallelujah. That's the first and the last and everything in between. When you've got Jesus, you've got everything. I say when you've got Jesus, you've got everything. Paul described Jesus to the Colossians in chapter 2 and verse 9. And he could have described him in one word, but he used two words. Amen. He said, for in him dwelleth all. All is all. All is everything. Hallelujah. That could have been a perfect description. But when Paul looked at Jesus, amen, he thought all didn't say it all. Hallelujah. Not all, just all, but all the fullness. When you have fullness, you can't put anything else in it. It's completely full. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hallelujah. There never has been before, nor neither shall there be since, a man like Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus is an ultimate, unique character. When I recognize the magnitude of Jesus, I begin to wonder what an awesome experience it would have been to have been there. Hallelujah. When Jesus walked the face of the earth, 
and when you begin to minister, and when you begin to teach and preach. There have been many scholars, there have been many sages of the age, but none, amen, can equal Jesus Christ. They're not as prolific, they're not as profound, hallelujah, they're not as dynamic as Jesus is. Now you that know me know that I would have loved to have said it Jesus' teaching because he was a great storyteller. Hallelujah. He used parables, earthly stories, amen, to teach us and give us spiritual application about the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. People got hooked on the teaching and preaching of Jesus Christ. Absolutely tremendous. Peter said this, Lord, I will not leave you, for in your hands are the words of eternal life. I'm hooked on your preaching. Where am I going to go? Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Awesome. Hallelujah. They forbade him to speak in a town because when he got into a town, he turned the town upside down. He was the talk of the town. Absolutely incredible ministry. He would go to a house. He would preach Amen. To the crowd gathered, there would be people sitting in the windowsills and the door facings. On one occasion, it was so crowded that four men lifted a man up on a stretcher to the roof, and they began to tear a hole in the roof and lower him down in the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amazing. He could draw a crowd in the desert he preached people out of the cities. They would leave the metropolis of their day, amen, and they would go to hear him preach, to hear him minister. On one occasion, 5,000 men plus the women and children, perhaps 15,000 to 20,000 people would go to hear him minister. Leaving their jobs, maybe perhaps quitting their job, they had to hear him without a microphone, without the internet, amen, without a PA system, without any advertisement. He drew a crowd, an awesome ministry. I like this part. When he spoke, he spoke with clarity and authority. The demons would come screaming at the sound of his voice. And they would confess, we know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to torment us before the time? Hallelujah. The wind got slain at his feet. Hallelujah. The waves lay prostrate on the ocean floor. Absolutely incredible ministry. He got in a graveyard, and when he got to preaching, the dead got happy and started dancing out of the tomb. Hallelujah, because life has power over death. And he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Hallelujah, light has power over darkness. He said, I'm the light of the world. And when he comes, the darkness has to flee. He was the word and he spoke the word. Hallelujah. Powerful preaching. Now the disciples, they loved to hear his teaching and preaching. He taught them about many things. He taught them about the consolation of Israel. He taught them about eschatology. 
He got into justification and redemption and relationships. He taught about many things, but there was one thing at this point that he had not really taught on. They kept noticing that periodically Jesus would disappear. These were men that they lived with him. They slept with him. They ate with him. They walked with him. They knew him. But there was something about him. There's a certain time he would just be gone. And they would go looking for him in a cru crucial moment. And they would find him behind a rock on his knees praying. They noticed that when he came out of such a position of prayer, they noticed that he came with authority. He came with power. Amen. The lame walked. The blind eyes would be opened and they would see. Demons would be cast out. Hallelujah. And then he would say, I want you to get into a boat. I want you to go to the other side. He said, I'm going up into the mountain, and I'm going to pray. And after he got finished praying, he come walking on the water to where they were. I can just imagine some wise, scholarly disciple. He would say, Jesus, we thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your ministry. We thank you for everything that you have taught us. But there's one thing that we want you to teach us. Teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. And that brings me to my scripture text. Jesus said, okay, the first thing I want you to do when you pray is don't be phony. Don't be a fake. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the Pharisees. They like to be out in the marketplace where everybody can see them and they can receive worship and praise. He said, when you pray, you get alone with God. You get into a secret place and God will meet you there. Hallelujah. And this is a way I want you to pray. A lot of people call this the Lord's Prayer. I really believe that's a misnomer. Amen. I believe it's the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer was in Gethsemane. The Lord's Prayer was where he prayed to great drops of blood fell off of his brow and he was able to break the will of the flesh and say, nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. That was the Lord's Prayer. But he taught him a disciple's prayer. He said, first of all, I want you to recognize the relationship you have with the one you're praying to. Hallelujah, it's our Father. Hallelujah, amen, I'm glad I've got a relationship with him. He's my Father. If he's my Father, then I'm his son. I'm his child. It's amazing that kind of a relationship. What a child, the privileges he will have and what he can get Father, hallelujah. I remember President John F. Kennedy sitting in the Oval Office in the White House. And while he was about his presidential duties and business, I looked there and under the desk was his little two-year-old son, John John. And he was crawling around and playing and just having a big time while dad sat there working in the Oval Office. 
I couldn't get in the Oval Office. You couldn't get in the Oval Office. But John John could get there because of the relationship he had with the president. It was his father. We've got a relationship not with the president, but with the King of Kings. Hallelujah, with the Lord of Lords. It's our Father. Hallelujah. And we've got great privileges that come with that relationship. In Luke chapter 11, I believe it is, and verse 11, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, shall he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, our Father, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Hallelujah. So when you pray, it's our Father. Hallelujah, our Father. And then he said, you pray this, who art in heaven. Hallelujah. Now we know God is everywhere. Our Father is everywhere. You go to the left, he's there. You go to the right, he's there. You look up, he's there. You look down. God is everywhere. He fills the universe. But the scripture says when you pray, who art in heaven? What is heaven? Heaven is above all. Heaven is a place where he reigns. He's over everything. He's in control. He's in charge. He sets up kingdoms. He pulls kingdoms down. Hallelujah. It's a position of authority. So when you pray, recognize who he is and recognize his authority and his power. Hallelujah. And then he said, Honor, praise, worship the name of the one you're praying to. Hallowed be thy name. And the praise singers were singing today about that name. Hallelujah, about that name. I don't know about you, but I've got a hold of something I'm not going to turn loose of. It's the name of Jesus. That name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then he said, I'm going to allow you to use my name. In my name, you will cast out devils. In my name, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, you'll speak with new tongues. Hallowed be thy name. There's no name like the name of Jesus, the name that has all power. Then he said, pray for the power of God. Thy kingdom come. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness. It's peace. It's joy in the Holy Ghost. And he said, you shall receive what? Power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be a witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Pray 
for the power of God, thy kingdom come. Then he said, pray for the purpose of God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know what the will of God is. It's his will that all would come unto repentance. He said, it's not my will that any should perish, but it's my will that all would come unto repentance. I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Pray for the will of God, the purpose of God. Then it brings me to the scripture I really want to talk about. All of that was an introduction, but I promise I won't be here three hours. He said, finally, pray this prayer. Give me this day, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but right now, at this present moment, give me this day our daily bread. Hallelujah. Now, I've lived in Kenya. We were under a five-year appointment there. In the last nine years, we've been in Fiji, third world countries. And one thing I'll tell you, they know how to make bread. But I'm here to tell you, if you buy a loaf today, you better get ready to go back tomorrow or at least the next day and buy some more because there's no preservatives in it, and it will mold, and it will stale quick. If you can get it when they first bake it, there's nothing like it. Many times we've eaten the loaf on the way home before we even got home. Next day we have to go get some more bread. Amen. We don't need spiritual moldy bread. We don't need stale bread. Now let me, let me qualify that. I thank God I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost 59 years ago. August, this past August made 59 years ago. I was a 13-year-old boy and a Keep you from all your mathematics, I'm now 72. I'll be 73 January. Praise God. I was 13 years old when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget it. I know when it happened. I know where I was when it happened. I know how I felt after it was all said and done. Praise God. It reminds me of Brother David Toft, one of the young men in our church I pastored many years. I remember the night he got the Holy Ghost. His face lit up. He began to shine. Hallelujah. And when he came to and opened his eyes, he said, how sweet it is. How sweet it is. Friend, that's what the Holy Ghost is. It's sweet. It's great. It's good. But I cannot live on 59 years ago bread. Hallelujah. I thank God for my past. I thank God for what he's done. But I've got to have today I've got to have fresh anointing. I've got to have fresh bread. Hallelujah. Give me this day our daily bread. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The psalmist said in Psalm 92 and 10, I'm anointed with fresh oil. Hallelujah, fresh oil, daily bread, right now. It's not what I had last week. It's what I've got right now. Hallelujah, where am I with God right now? Do I have that fresh bread? Now, whether natural or spiritual, nothing can compare to a fresh cooked bread right out of the oven. I don't care what you have. To me, there's nothing better than that, the aroma fills the room. You can smell it. 
Hallelujah. And you want it. Pass the bread, please. Hallelujah. Pass the bread. I want more of it. Hallelujah. I want more of it. I can't get enough of it. My dad's sitting here. I do not remember this. I was three years old. But I've heard my dad and mom talk about it many times. They were not in church. They didn't know God. Lived in North Carolina. Went to a little Baptist church one Sunday. And they brought me along. It was so quiet in that church, you could hear a pin drop on the carpet. That's what they tell me. It was quiet. But it happened to be the Sunday that they were having sacrament, communion. And the way they did it, they would pass the tray of bread down the row of the aisle. And everybody just would get it some and pass it on, and they would go down each row like that. Then they would come by with the juice and pass that. Well, my dad and mom, not being in church, they thought it wouldn't be good for us to partake. So they closed their eyes and bowed their head in reverence, and uh, they were not going to partake. But when that tray came by me, I'm three years old, I saw that bread. I reached in and got a handful of it. I put it in my mouth, and it's so quiet in there, and I ate it, and I began to shout to the top of my voice, more bread, Mommy, more bread. My dad had to get me and take me outside. I was making a fuss over more bread. Well, I've had a taste of heavenly bread, and my cry today is more bread, Father, more bread. Give me more bread. I can't get enough of it. I want more of bread, more of the bread. Hallelujah. My mother baked great biscuits, homemade biscuits. They were great. I loved them. My mother never made the loaves. And I met my wife. And her mother, in fact, today is the 22nd anniversary that we lost her. She died on Sunday, November the 29th in 1998. What a great saint of God. A lady of wisdom. I used to just love to talk to her. She knew the scripture, and she would impart so much into me. But one thing I remember about her was how great she was of a cook. She could cook and bake anything. And when I first time I went to their house to visit, and I just met my wife at a youth camp, and I was there in a house, and I smelled something that smelled so good, and I found out it was bread. Loaves of bread she was baking in the oven. They was going to have a church sale, and she baked many, many loaves and would sell it for the church. And I sunk my teeth into that. And I mean to tell you, I thought I had arrived at the marriage supper. Amen. This is great. I love this bread. So I told my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, I said, I'll tell you what, before I marry you, I want you to learn how to make that bread. I put a challenge out to her. And you know what? She loved me so much. She wanted to marry me so bad that she learned how to make that bread. Hallelujah. And she can make it just like her mama makes it. And, and I don't know if you, any of you saw the Facebook or not, but there was pictures of the loaves of bread she had baked over this Thanksgiving holiday. Hallelujah. There was something about that bread. Praise God. Well, I know another baker. 
Hallelujah. I know another oven. It's called heaven's oven. The baker is God himself. He's got fresh loaves. I can smell the aroma today. Hallelujah. And I'm saying, God, pass the bread. Pass the bread, please. I want more of you and more of you and more of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. John chapter 11 talks about a story of a man that Jesus loved dearly along with his two sisters, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They lived in the town of Bethany. And Jesus would go by many times and visit with them. They were special friends to him. And one day Jesus was in another town and he was ministering and the word came to him. Martha had sent a message, Jesus, please come quickly. Our brother Lazarus is very sick. He's at the point of death. We need you to come. And I'm here today to tell you that when you pray, don't stop praying. Keep praying. If you haven't received the answer yet, keep praying. Hallelujah. God's never early. God's never late. God is always right on time. He doesn't come when we think he ought to, but he comes when he knows he needs to. Hallelujah. Jesus never came at that moment. He continued ministering. And after a few days, he said to his disciples, we need to go to Bethany. I need to wake up Lazarus. He's asleep. And they began to laugh. And they said, what do you mean he's asleep, Jesus? He died. They've, they've already put him in a cave. They've buried him. When Jesus started walking, Martha heard Jesus is on his way. She didn't wait for him to get to the house. She ran out to where he was. She came to Jesus, and she said this, Lord, if you had have been here, my brother would not have died. What was Martha doing? She was eating yesterday's bread. Hallelujah. If you'd have been here four days ago, four days ago, he would be alive. Hallelujah. She was eating yesterday. What was in the past? Jesus said he'll live again. Then she jumped from yesterday to the future, to tomorrow's bread. I know when the resurrection comes, he will live. She looked for that that was going to come. Jesus said, no, it's not yesterday's bread. It's not tomorrow's bread. It's this day, right now. I am the resurrection. Not I was, not I shall be. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Hallelujah. God never told Moses, I was that I was. He never said, I shall be that I shall be. But he did say, I am that I am. I'm the very present God. Hallelujah. Our world is starving for the bread of heaven, Brother Reaver. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The bread of this world that the devil offers can never satisfy. Hallelujah. But God is baking fresh bread in his oven right now. He's got bread for every one of us here today. We all need the bread. Hallelujah. We need the bread. God has it for us. He explained it well to the Jews when he told them to get in the boat. And they came to Capernaum seeking for him. Let me read for you John chapter 6. And verse 26, hallelujah. 
And this is what he says. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. The Jews started their rebuttal in verse 31. Well, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus countered that with this. He said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus not only came down from heaven as the bread of life, but he was born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. Hallelujah. He came to satisfy the hungry. One man said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. You got to taste it for yourself. I could stand up here today and have a big red, delicious, juicy red apple. And I could take a bite out of it and say, my, this is the sweetest apple I have ever bitten into. You would sit there and watch me, and in your mind you would think, it must really be good. It really must be sweet. But you'll never know how sweet it is until you take a bite of it. Hallelujah. I can tell you how great the Holy Ghost is, how good God is, how wonderful his presence is. But you'll never fully understand until you taste and you see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. Years ago, Lanny Wolf wrote a song, Only Jesus Can Satisfy Your Soul. Only he can change your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, sweet love and joy and heaven too, for only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Is there anybody in here hungry besides me? Hallelujah. He that hungers and thirsts after God, he shall be filled. He shall be filled. Hallelujah. When you get hungry enough, it produces desperation. Hallelujah. I've been in countries where I saw swollen bellies of little children. I saw people that hadn't eaten for days. I was in India. It was a very sad place to be. Amen. The part of the country I was at. They were so hungry. And if you would just give them a crumb, they would grab for it. Amen. It produces a desperation. And desperation can produce miraculous results. I've heard of people that have actually accidentally backed over with a car, backed over their child, and got out and saw the wheel 
on the leg of their child, and they have actually picked the car up and pulled their child out. You can't do that. Oh, but when you get desperate enough, it's amazing what the adrenal glands will do. And you can do sometimes far exceedingly above what you would normally be able to do. We need to get desperate for God. Hallelujah. I say we need to get desperate for God. We need to realize the world is winding up. Hallelujah. We can see the prophecies being fulfilled right here in our day. We can see things that Jesus said. When you see this, lift up your eyes and look up. Your redemption is soon to draw nigh. God, make us desperate. Make us desperate. I heard a funny story one time about a rabbit dog, hound dog they used for hunting rabbits. He was fast. And the story says he boasted to his dog friends that he could outrun them all. He was the fastest runner there was. About that time, a rabbit showed up in the corner of the field. And the dog said, oh, yeah, if you're so fast, let's see you catch that rabbit. He took out running after that rabbit. That rabbit saw him, and that rabbit began to hop and zigzag, and he was quicker than the dog was, and he got away. The dog come walking back slowly with his head hanging down, and the other dogs were laughing at him. They said, we thought you were so fast, you couldn't even catch that rabbit. He said, well, you got to understand the situation. He said, I was running for my food. He was running for his life. Hallelujah. And when you get desperate enough, friend, we've only got one life, and it's going to soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ is going to last. We're running for our life today. Past bread, God. Give me that energy. Give me that spiritual energy. I need food from heaven. I need some bread from heaven. I'm running for my life. Hallelujah. Praise God. When we were deputizing, we went into the state of Missouri, Pastor Reaver's home state. We were in a town called Sykeston, and I come across a restaurant there, and I'm sure you all know about that restaurant, Lambert's Restaurant, and they advertise it miles away on billboards, home of the famous hand-tossed rolls. Now, when you go to that restaurant, it's southern home cooking, and you order your meal. A lot of times they bring you other stuff that's free. Amen. They'll bring you different vegetables, different things that's free. But there's men in there with, they have carts of fresh baked bread, fresh baked rolls, and they've got these plastic gloves on, and all you got to do, they might be, over here, you might be sitting way back there at a table. All you do is raise your hand, and they'll take a roll, and they'll toss it to you, and you catch the roll. Hallelujah. My 10-year-old son at the time, he enjoyed that. He, not so much for the bread, but he liked playing baseball. He liked catching the rolls. Every time I'd look around, he'd have his hand up. He had a whole stack of rolls right beside him. Amen. Here am I. Throw me another roll. And they would throw him a roll. I wonder what would happen today in here if we say, God, here I am. Toss me some bread, God. Pass me some bread. Throw me a roll, God. I want something from heaven today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
the early church in Acts the second chapter, 120 disciples, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several of the ladies. They were hungry for being endued with the power from on high. Jesus said, go to that upper room and tarry there. You just wait there until you be endued with the power. When I read in John chapter 14 and verse 16, it says this, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Can you say praise the Lord? He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And it happened, Acts 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Hallelujah. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Hallelujah, that oven was baking some bread. God was getting ready to pass some bread. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be great today to have another Pentecost here at Abundant Life? Hallelujah. God's baking the bread. God's ready. Are you ready today? Are you ready to receive it? He's got bread for you. Hallelujah. He's got some bread for you today. Aren't you glad God's no respecter of persons? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God loves every one of us today? Hallelujah. God's not prejudiced. God's not racial. Amen. They're going to come from every tribe, every tongue, every nationality. Amen. They're going to crown him king of kings and lord of lords. Bread, spiritual manna, the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire had come. A fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Before that day was over, 3,000 souls were added to the church. They were so excited that they wanted to share the bread. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. Acts 2 and 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and look at this, breaking bread from house to house, passed the bread, passed the bread. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's what I like about abundant life. Sister Reaver, you gave the report today about that one being baptized Wednesday. Amen. Seems like every time we come here, somebody's been baptized. Somebody's getting the Holy Ghost. Somebody's being taught a Bible study. Hallelujah. Somebody's passing the bread. Somebody's taking the bread, and they're partaking of it. Hallelujah. Acts 2, they received it. Two chapters later, enduring severe persecution, 
They said, let's go back. Let's go back to the kitchen. Let's go back to the oven. Hallelujah. We can remember two chapters ago when we got that bread. Let's pray again. And the Bible says in Acts 4, they began to pray until the place was shaken where they prayed. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost all over again. You know what would be great? Would be for us that have the Holy Ghost to get it all over again today. Hallelujah. To eat some fresh bread today. To talk in tongues again today. Hallelujah. Pass the bread. Pass the bread. I'm hungry. That was the early church. Now, let's look at today's church. Praise God. Just got a report this week from a brother in Kenya, Africa. Brother Samuel Pastor. And I didn't remember it until he brought it to my attention. He said, Brother McIntyre, he said, when you were here, he said, and you came to the university and was teaching, he said, you laid hands on me to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I didn't remember that because it had been so many people. It's been so many years ago. Hallelujah. But Samuel Pastor got the Holy Ghost. He got baptized. God called him to preach. And what a work he's doing in Kenya. In the last couple of weeks, he has baptized many people in the name of Jesus, including 11 pastors and a bishop and all their congregations from one end of Kenya to the other. God is filling them with the Holy Ghost. What's happening? There's some hungry people out there. If you don't want the bread, there's somebody out there that wants it. Amen. They're saying, pass that bread to me. I want that bread. Hallelujah. I want everybody in here to be saved. But I don't want you taking my crown. Hallelujah. God's got a crown for you. God's got a crown for every one of us. And the Bible says, hold fast what you've got, that somebody else doesn't wear your crown. I don't want anybody else wearing my crown, but I want everybody to have a crown. I want everybody to be saved. I don't want anybody eating my bread. There's plenty of bread to go around. Hallelujah. In Fiji, there's a, a man, he was an older man that came to our Bible college, Brother Jim, and... Uh, he was so sincere in studying. He was conscientious about his grades. And one time I had marked something wrong that was right. And boy, he came right to me about it because he wanted to make sure he kept his grades up. And I corrected that for him. Jim was very studious. He had to leave his wife and children back on the other island while he sacrificed and came to Bible school for two years. Hallelujah. He graduated last year while we were there. And he went back home to a town called Savu Savu. It's on the northern island. I've been there several times. When he went back home, he wasn't there too long until I got the word the pastor, Brother Tony Miller, had passed away. They asked Brother Jim if he would take that church. And Brother Jim is a novice, but he's rooted and grounded in the doctrine. He knows the doctrine. Hallelujah. I got word from him a couple weeks ago. The first Sunday he was there and preached, he ended up baptizing about 15 people in the name of Jesus. And they received the Holy Ghost. 
Since then, every week, he has had people getting baptized and getting the Holy Ghost. What are you saying? God's busy baking bread. God's busy baking bread. Amen. There's a hungry world. There's people out there that's asking for bread. And God is busy baking that bread. Hallelujah. There's a, a brother and his wife. He's from India originally. And we had him to come. He's an evangelist. We had him to come to Fiji to reach our Hindu people. A lot of people speak Hindi and Fiji and from the Indian ancestries. And so Brother Mutu came, and he held revivals among the Indian people. We had a lot of them receive the Holy Ghost, and we had churches started because of his endeavors. I just got word from him that recently an elderly man, and let me just say this about Brother Muthu, he grew up as a Hindu. His mother was dying of cancer. There was no hope, and somebody told them about a Pentecostal group of people that believed in healing. Hallelujah, that God could heal her of cancer. He took his mother to that meeting. They didn't know anything about Pentecost. She got prayed for. Guess what? God healed her of the cancer. It made a believer out of him. And today he's a UPC preacher over there in India. He said recently that an elderly man was on a bus. And the Spirit of God prompted him to stand up on that bus and shout, Jesus is coming soon. He stood up and with a loud voice he said, Folks, God told me to tell you, Jesus is coming soon. There was a lady sitting there on that bus with her little boy. She jumped up. She attacked him. She said, sit down. There's no such thing as a Jesus. There's no such thing as God. Sit down and be quiet. He was embarrassed. He sat down. But while the bus rode on, the Spirit of God moved upon him to do it again. And he jumped up. He said, folks, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is coming soon. That lady jumped up. She began to scratch and claw him and beat him. Her little boy said, mama, don't hit him. He is sent from God. All of a sudden, she stopped. She looked at him and tears began to run down her face. She fell on her knees and started praying. God began to give her some bread that day. When it was all said and done, the elderly gentleman said, ma'am, I'd like to ask you one question. Why did you change from asking me to stop to you yourself getting down and praying? She said, my son is mute. He has never spoken a word in his life. And when he spoke, I knew there was a God. I knew there was a God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. What he does in Fiji, what he does in Kenya, he does right here at Abundant Life in Baltimore. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to bring it to a close. I read to you out of Ruth. Chapter 1 and verse 6, Naomi's going back home. She has received word that there's bread in Bethlehem, Judah. 
Bethlehem, Judah was the town they lived in before they went to Moab. Bethlehem, Judah means the house of bread and praise. Hallelujah. I'm here today to tell you that the devil will try to tell you the church doesn't have the answer. Jesus doesn't have the answer. Amen. You're fooling yourself by going to church and trying to live for a so-called God. There's a famine in the church. I'm here to tell you through the rough times, through the, through the smooth times, the good times or the bad times, God remains constant, and he still has bread. There's still bread in the house. There's bread in the house. But somehow Elimelech was convinced that I've got to go find a job. There's a famine, no bread. And he took his two boys and his wife, and they traveled to Moab. Now, if you look on the map, if you go from Bethlehem, Judah, to Moab, you've got to cross the Dead Sea. And anytime you cross the Dead Sea, you're going to lose something you never get back. Hallelujah. I believe God will save a backslider. I believe God will bring a backslider back home. But friend, every backslider I've ever talked to, they tell me they wish they'd have never backslid. They know God has forgiven them. They know they're in the church, but they've lost something that they'll never get back. Hallelujah. They went to the country of Moab. Emelite got a job. The boys went to school. And the boys, as they grew up, they saw some very nice-looking Moabite girls. They fell in love with those girls and married them. But the day came when a knock came at the door. Naomi goes to the door, and she opens the door, and there stands a man. He said, are you Naomi, the wife of Elimelech? Yes, I am. Did you not know that today, when your husband went to work, he would not be coming home? He dropped dead on the job today. We've got him at the local funeral parlor. Her husband is gone. Shortly thereafter, that same man knocks back at the door. And he tells her that your son, Malon, has passed away. And we've got him at the same funeral parlor we took your husband to. And then there was a third knock at that door. And it was her second son, Kilian. He's died. He's gone. Here Naomi is. She left Bethlehem, Judah. She left the house of bread and praise. To us today, that would be the same as leaving God's church, God's body. This is the house of bread. This is a place where God comes and meets with his people. They had left. She said to her daughters-in-law, I'm going to bid you farewell. I've got to get back to Bethlehem, Judah. I've got to get back to the house of bread. My soul is longing for that bread. I've got to go home. Her daughters-in-law love their mother-in-law. They said, Mom, we can't let you go by yourself. We'll go with you. She said, no. She said, this is your country. This is your home. You're from Moab. These are your people. You stay here. I'll be all right. I'll go back. The one daughter-in-law, Orpha, she said, okay, Mom. She said, I, I wish you well. And she kissed her, and she left. But there was another daughter-in-law. 
She had seen something in her mother-in-law that attracted her. Hallelujah. There was something mom's got a hold of that I want. Hallelujah. She said, I'm not going to leave you. Entreat me not to leave you or to stop following after you. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. And I like this part. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's anybody in here under the sound of my voice today, online, wherever you are, if you don't know my God, I want you to know him today. Hallelujah. I want to introduce him to you today. Hallelujah. Paul said, my God shall supply all your need. You've got a need. I've got a God. Hallelujah. You've got a need. You need salvation. You need healing. You need a supplication of a need. I've got a God I want to introduce you to today. He's got some bread for you. He's got some bread for you. Naomi crossed that dead sea going back home. She walked across the city limit line of Bethlehem, Judah. People begin to see her and her daughter-in-law coming, and they begin to whisper. She overheard them. They were saying, who is that? Who's that elderly lady? She reminds me of a lady that used to live here years ago by the name of Naomi. Naomi said, I am that lady, but don't call me Naomi. She said, I went out full, and I'm coming home empty. The Lord has dealt bitter, very bitterly with me. She said, I'm unworthy of his presence. I went out with a husband and two sons. I'm coming home, just my daughter-in-law and me. If grace could work under the law, how much could grace work now? Hallelujah. If under the law she can make it back to God, we're under grace today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you can find God today. Need can be supplied today. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till Christmas. Don't wait till Easter. The bread is baking right now. Give me this day right now, God. I want that daily bread. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet if you would. If you need salvation, the bread of life is here to save. If you need healing, the bread of life is here to heal. We've got miracles in this building today. Hallelujah. We've got people that's been healed of cancer. We've got people that God has done miraculous works in their body. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've got people that used to be drug addicts, alcoholics, hallelujah, prostitutes, homosexuals, but they've come to eat of that bread. God has changed them. He's cleansed them. He's brought salvation. He has come to heal and to save. What you need to do today is forget about who's around you. Be like Bartimaeus, blind. I've got a need. I have a need. I need some of that bread. 
Bartimaeus, be quiet. Jesus is coming down the road, and the crowd is cheering. The crowd is making all kinds of noise. When Bartimaeus heard that bread was on the way, the bread is coming. He didn't hold back, but with a loud voice, he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The people tried to get him to stop. Many people will discourage you from crying out to Jesus. They try to get him to be quiet, but he had a need. He had a need. Nothing could satisfy but the bread from heaven. And he cried out even louder and in a more earnest, fervent voice, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus heard. Jesus stopped. And Jesus ministered bread to him. He received his sight that day. Anybody here hungry for God today? Is there anybody? Hallelujah. Reach out to Jesus right now. 